a low Googleization nation. Welcome to Better Leaders, Better Workplaces, a GGG Unleashed podcast with thought leader Vivian Blaine. I'm Ira Wolf. And I'm Jason Cochran. In each of Vivian's episodes, we'll cover the latest trends and emerging practices around creating resilient workplaces. Let's begin. Hello, and welcome back to GGG Unleashed, Better Leaders, Better Workplaces. I'm Vivian Blade, President and CEO of Experts in Growth Leadership Consulting and a recognized leadership and resilience thought leader. On this podcast, Better Leaders, Better Workplaces, you'll get the latest insights and proven strategies to help you solve the pressing turnover, burnout, and workplace culture challenges your company is struggling with right now. So if you're a business or HR leader, you don't want to miss an episode. I've been bringing your attention to important strategic areas that need to be front and center for you. And one of those top priorities is creating a positive workplace culture. Still, among the biggest reasons why people are quitting or quiet quitting or even adopting bare minimum Mondays is because of a bad boss or toxic culture. We see it in Gallup's engagement research, where they say quiet quitters make up at least 50% of the U.S. workforce. Gartner suggests that to turn things around, leaders and organizations need to be human-centric. We need to build positive leaders and positive workplaces. That's why I'm so excited about my guest today, Dr. Ryan Quinn. Dr. Quinn is the Department Chair for Management and Entrepreneurship for the University of Louisville College of Business, Assistant Dean of Innovation and Strategy, Associate Professor of Management and Entrepreneurship, and Academic Director for the Project on Positive Leadership. I've had the honor of working with Dr. Quinn as an adjunct professor at the University of Louisville, and I'm on the Board of Advisors and the Resilience Expert for the Project on Positive Leadership. I know firsthand that Dr. Quinn is a positive leader. He practices what he teaches. What Dr. Quinn has to share with you is going to challenge your thinking about leadership. I didn't want you to miss any part of our incredible conversation, so I'm bringing Dr. Quinn to you in two episodes. In this episode, we'll explore what positive leadership is and what the practice of positive leadership looks like. What do we aspire to? In the second episode with Dr. Quinn next month, he's going to reveal your roadmap for how to accomplish positive leadership. You don't want to miss it. Welcome, Dr. Quinn. Thank you so much for being with us today. So let's start out by just talking a little bit about your background and how positive leadership has become a central focus of your work. Sure. So... I would have to probably give credit to two places for that. The first one I would say goes back to my PhD days. I happened to be at the University of Michigan when Jane Dutton and Kim Cameron and Bob Quinn were launching what is now considered the positive organizational scholarship movement there and has grown all over the place. It, it grew maybe a year or two after, but right in concert with a positive psychology movement that many people are also familiar with. And so... I helped to run the first conference on uh, positive organizational scholarship as, you know, a 
a grunt work PhD student in the background, <laughs> but uh, just had the real privilege of, of working with those scholars and others like them. And so from the very beginning of my doctoral level training, I was a part of this work. In terms of positive leadership, which is narrower than positive organizational scholarship, I um, would probably give credit to that to my parents and the way they raised me. And, and I could tell some funny and fun stories about that, but that may be beyond the scope of this particular interview. So I would just say that they really set an example for me and, and instilled within me a desire to understand, practice, study, and be a part of positive leadership. And it's wonderful to have that foundation, really, that that infuses what's important for us in our lives and to be able to live that and to continue to do that work. Well, tell us, why is positive leadership especially important in the current climate that we're in? I think that when it comes to the current climate and how it applies, we can slice and dice it a number of ways. So one way to slice it is to talk about the complexity of the world we live in today. We have grown the complexity of our world exponentially in terms of all the factors. So let's focus just, for example, on a business or even an HR leader and what you have to deal with. And whether it's the change in technology or the fact that we spent 20 or 30 years offshoring and now you know, with the problems of supply chain, we're suddenly starting to onshore things again, including manufacturing and you know, just the sheer social issues and political context and everything else that goes into what we do. The world is just complex and has been getting more complex. And I don't think we see any stop in that or, or a decrease in complexity coming. And so a question of how to deal with that is a major issue that I think is relevant and that positive leadership can help with. One bit of research that I think is particularly interesting with regards to this is some research on what's called high reliability organizations. And these are things like aircraft carriers or hospital emergency rooms or uh, nuclear power plants or, you know, whatever. And these kinds of organizations are interesting to some scholars because they could have a million accidents every day. And they do. It's unavoidable that some happen. And yet somehow... Most of the accidents that could happen don't, and the few that do are, they manage to keep very small in most cases, with rare exceptions. So the question the scholars ask is, how do they do that? They've identified a number of factors that go into this. And I think the reason why this is relevant to our climate today is because of the complexity. These are incredibly complex, dynamic, changing environments that somehow they keep from disasters happening. And this, although you know, a, a manufacturer or a restaurant or a fast food chain or whatever it may be may not have that same level of threat and disaster involved as complexity increases and some of they become more and more like these high reliability organizations. Why am I saying this with regards to positive leadership? We define positive leadership as exhibiting exceptional, unusual, unexpected virtues that other people choose to follow because of how they admire and, and feel elevated by those virtues. And virtues prevent and manage complexities in ways that engender that kind of high reliability in the face of complexity. For example, one of the conditions of having high reliability organizations work is what they call a reluctance to simplify. I would say that's an academic word for wisdom. Knowledge is about accumulating facts that you can use, but wisdom is about paring it down 
having the humility to recognize I don't know everything and that I can continue to learn and I can look for insight and that the insight is what's going to transform things, not necessarily more and more and more and more knowledge. As an example, extraordinary patience might mean recognizing that slowing down may get things done faster and better than speeding up will. But that takes faith to actually slow down and, and not be disturbed or perturbed by yes. life as it happens around us. Yeah, Empathy, which is a huge part of design thinking, which is how you design things well so that you get that complexity down to a level of simplicity that's elegant and useful. We're not getting anywhere in this world without empathy. And in fact, that takes me into another aspect of this world today that we live in and, and what makes it so hard is mm -hmm. division. Whether mm -hmm. that's division between millennials and Gen Xers and boomers and you know whatever else, or if it's division along political lines or division along racial lines, which is a major issue that people are dealing with today in corporations trying to figure out how to manage their DEI, any of these other things. Just as much as complexity is a common feature of our world today, division is, well, virtues like empathy, love, care, and compassion, even ones like patience or wisdom or courage are the things that are the courage to confront a conflict instead of avoiding it early in the process of an organization trying to figure out what to do is going to solve and prevent so many problems later on. And yet mm -hmm. so often it's what drives our organizations is fear. So that was a very long-winded answer to your question. But my argument is, is that positive leadership is needed today because at least probably other things as well, but at least because of the complexity and the division that we face in the world today. So much of what you talked about there with fear showing up and guiding how we lead oftentimes, which really does get in the way of, of, of how we can create po more positive organizations and, and sticky organizations where people want to be. So you, know, you mentioned some of these virtues, and I want to come back to talking about those for a minute love, about compassion, about empathy, and some of these virtues and how they sort of manifest in leadership. Some of these words are even taboo mm -hmm. in modern corporations. To say the word love, for some reasons, in some cases, legitimate, and other reasons, not legitimate, but for whatever reason, taboo. That being said, when you asked that question, it reminded me of an experience I had a number of years ago. I think it was in the early knots when uh, Jim Collins published Good to Great, which was, you know, a wildfire bestseller in the business world. Mm -hmm. And there's this great story that he tells about how he introduced the idea of a level five leader. And the definition of a level five leader is someone who has relentless, I can't remember the exact words he used, but this will be close enough, that they have relentless ambition, but also an exquisite humility. And I remember, I remember if it was in the book or if it was in a talk, but somewhere along the lines, he told the story about being in a seminar where he was introducing this idea and this one female executive raised her hand and, and said, you know, how do you develop humility? And it was clear that the subtext to her question was, because I don't see myself as a humble person and I don't know if I'm going to be a level five leader. That's actually a scary idea to me. And I think she spoke for probably the majority of the people who are the executives who are sitting in the room with her. So I got really curious about that. And I went back to an academic tome. It was called uh, Bass and Stogbill's Handbook of Leadership. Now I think it's Bass and Bass's Handbook of Leadership, but it's literally this compilation of well over a hundred years of research studies on the topic of leadership. And I went through and I just 
looked for every synonym I could find of the word humility to see, you know, have people studied this? And now there's actually been some studies on humility in general and in leadership and organizations. Mm -hmm. But I went through looking for synonyms saying, what has been found for studies addressing this topic? And the answer was interesting because in, in traditional leadership research, there's basically two questions. How does a person become a leader? What makes them effective as a leader? And what was interesting is looking at the studies that use synonyms of the word humility, it was clear that humility affected effectiveness unquestionably in multiple studies, you know, in lots of different synonyms of the word. What was also clear is that humble people don't become leaders. They just doesn't happen. And so we have these biases, whether in trying to become a leader or in who we select as leaders, that we don't look, as you said, for humble people, for compassionate people, for what are often considered the more feminine virtues. And yet those are actually the virtues that make leaders more effective. And so we've got to change our culture around this and look and, and try to incorporate much more of that in what we look for. As we wrap up part one of this interview with Dr. Quinn and consider how to become a better leader, I trust that you're beginning to reflect on your personal leadership and the culture of leadership in your organization. Are virtues a part of your leadership practice? Dr. Quinn mentioned a few of the virtues, and I want to share with you the full suite of important leadership virtues the Project on Positive Leadership is working to inspire and is developing tools around. Accountability, ambition, compassion, courage, creativity, curiosity, decisiveness, flexibility, generosity, gratitude, forgiveness, humility, inclusivity, integrity, justice, loyalty, patience, playfulness, resilience, for which I serve as their resilience expert, respect, and trust. Here's what I want you to do over the next couple of weeks. Observe whether or not these virtues are part of your personal leadership. Are they practiced in your organization? Is your culture receptive to these types of virtues? Watch for my post on LinkedIn where we can engage around these questions. I'd love to get your input. And join us for part two of my interview with Dr. Quinn in the next episode. You'll find out how to put these virtues into practice and experience the powerful influence they can have toward transforming your organization. In the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch with Dr. Quinn and learn more about the Project on Positive Leadership, you'll find that information in the show notes. There's also been a lot of interest in my guide, HR's Seat at the Table, How to Get It and Keep It. So you'll find a link to that resource in the show notes as well. Thanks for joining me today. I work with organizations to build better leaders and better workplaces. Let's work together to enhance yours. And connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always sharing resources and generating conversations about the topics we talk about on this podcast. I'd love to hear from you. 
If you're ready to elevate your leadership or would like to bring an inspiring message to your conference or corporate event, let's have a conversation. I'm here to help. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in and learning how to develop better leaders and better workplaces. We'll be back next month with Vivian for another episode. But until then, you can access some of Vivian's resources by visiting her website, vivianblade.com. And remember, don't let the shift hit your plans.